Welcome to that security podcast. Welcome to that security podcast. My name is Ashish, and I've got Ricky back with me, who is my co-host, and we have a special guest today, Sajeev Lohani, who's uh, in his hacker mode right now, 1978 T-shirt, as you can see. Um, we usually start with an introduction. So, Sajeev, um, I've done, said this before, but I would love for you to introduce yourself and not me butchering your introduction. Um, how amazing you are! Please let the world know. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, so, I'm a senior pen tester at Prosec. Um, I do some bug bounty stuff, and yeah, I help out with a lot of local communities, and I enjoy trying to teach people different things. Uh, it's probably one of my passions, and um, more than security as a job, I consider it a passion. So I do it in my free time a lot, and yeah, I like to try to stay at the cutting edge of security. However, that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, so I try and double. Cool. And it's amazing I, that you mentioned bug bounty as well, because that's our topic today. So we definitely want the right person. Oh, Ricky, because I think you were, were going to say something when I cut you off. Sorry. Yeah, um, it's, it's something I know you do a lot, well, all the time, Sajib. Um, it's, it's your out-of-hours stuff. And I think a really good example, and we can touch upon this maybe later as well, but I guess in general, people don't often, I feel, know the full extent of what's required to be you know, and if we mix the two, pen testing or you know, really focusing on bug bounties like this topic today, um, you know, for you, what does that look like on a, on a sort of daily or weekly basis? So usually I'll um, come into work at nine, finish work by five, um, so a normal nine to five job, go home, uh, have something to eat, um, and then usually depending on what day it is and whether there's other commitments or not, I'll sit down with some kind of... Um, bounty or um, source code or something to find some bugs or I'll um, while I'm on the train I'll actually sit down and either read a book or um, actually read through other people's write-ups of bugs so my thing is constantly educating myself um, partially I do it because I find it extremely interesting and yet again since it's a passion it's something I, I feel is really good so um, kind of learning new tricks from smarter people and then um, putting it all together, and then when I get home, I'll sit down and come up either with some ideas to automate things or just um, random things. So while everyone's watching TV, I'll watch TV passively and um, probably code up some kind of module or some tool, maybe hunt a few bugs. Um, just, you know, without causing too much effort, going through and passively doing things kind of in between both at the same time. Um, usually I'll do that till about 10, 10.30, and then I'll go and dedicate it onto TV. <laughs> Fair enough. And I guess, again, the topic this week is bug bounties. So obviously some people hopefully listen to this, there'll be maybe different stages. Um, there'll be people like yourself that are actively doing bug bounties and hopefully doing well from them. Um, there'll be other people that haven't maybe had exposure yet or got into bug bounties. So I guess for the more novice of people out there, can you maybe give a bit of a description about bug bounties and, and if you know how they come around? Awesome. If not, at least how things look like now from an industry point of view. 
Um, so bug bounties basically give you um, so it's basically companies, be it small or large, uh, come to um, either a platform or they do their own thing, kind of giving you a guideline of everything um, that they want tested. And they give you a scope, which you should really follow very, very carefully, because if you go outside of the scope, then it is actually illegal. Um, you are no longer under a safe harbor, so whatever you're touching is completely illegal. Um, basically, as long as you follow the safe harbor and the scope that they give, you are okay to test whatever types of tests you're supposed or you feel like doing, provided you are within uh, with it not doing the scope exclusions. So, if they say cross-site scripting is out of scope, don't test for it, and things like that. So, um, yeah, basically, I'd say the way bug bounties work is they give you usually some kind of pricing model saying, okay, a P1 means $5,000, P2 means $2,000 and blah, blah, blah. So P1 means it's, you know, critical or um, extremely high severity. P2 means it's reasonably high. P3 means it's medium. P4 means it's low. And P5 means informational and usually they don't care. So there are a few programs that do pay for informationals, but very rarely. Um, most people attempt to push for P1s and P2s, um, but yeah, it's kind of whatever you can find. And a lot of what I've found is um, based around um, how you can actually do reconnaissance. So trying to find out more about the target, understand how things work in general. And once you get a good picture of that, then actually hunting. So you've done a lot of the work beforehand um, and yeah. So a lot goes into the preparation. Definitely. Um, I wouldn't sit down and start hunting two minutes into um, just getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to answer that, Shish? <laughs> that was a message. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, I'll a message. But because uh, I think it was, a, it was a great moment for me because I was thinking of this as a, it's a very common thing to see on Twitter. There's a lot of kids who would post pictures of, look, I bought this amazing card for my bug bounty price and all that. Um, so I'm keen to also understand, can bug bounty be a full-time job? And what, what, what's, what can people expect? I mean, clearly um, you do it as from a passion perspective and it, it, but a lot of people would look at it and like, wow, it's a, it's a glamorous space to be in because you get to put yourself on a billboard or oh, not really a billboard, but I think they call it, there's a, what's called the- Hall uh, of Flame. Yeah, that's right. The Hall of Flame or whatever they call it, right? They have, they have different words. So I guess, every organization have their own board for representing people who have found bounties. And it's kind of like a, um, like a fame thing as well. It, so my question is, is it, but is it really a full-time career or a full-time job for people? And if it is, is it something like um, a, a, a job that can uh, be, uh, sorry, I'll let you answer that first because I'm just thinking out loud as well. So yes, I'll let you answer that first. Can it be a full-time job? Yes, yes, it definitely can. So due to the payouts of bounties and things, it can be a fruitful career. However, um, there are obviously catches to it. So a lot of the time, bugs can be hard to triage or the triage team can be busy. Um, the company might have other priorities. So hypothetically, say, um, we found a bug in PayPal. PayPal um, is getting a hypothetical scenario taking two weeks to come back and figure out how to um, triage this bug. 
But that means if you've found nothing else for the past two weeks, you have no income. So that's where you have to be a lot more calculated and understand that bounties won't be like a normal full-time job where you have a constant source of income no matter what you do. I mean, obviously, unless you fuck up your job, then it's a bit different, but yeah. <laughs> um, provided you do things reasonably well, um, you'd need to have some kind of a buffer. So you'd need to have, say, I don't know, 10, 20 bugs, um, probably even 100 bugs already queued inside, ready to go, um, and, you know, currently being triaged, and you have to have a good amount of income already um, just to fall back on, just in case you don't have income in the future. Um, yeah. So it's kind of you need to be really, really well thought out before you can go to that kind of lifestyle, in my opinion, especially for countries like Australia. However, if it's a country like India or um, anything else where the exchange rate is very different and the cost of living is extremely different, then, like, we all know $1,000 in India is a very good salary, $1,000 a month. So that's about 70,000 rupees or something like that, as far as I know. That is a very respectable salary. So um, doing full-time bug bounty hunting in a place like India is perfectly fine because finding $1,000 in a bug bounty for in a month is not hard. But doing that in a place like Australia um, with taxes and everything to make a decent salary, you'd be looking at a minimum of like $10,000 a month, which is not as easy. So it does vary from place to place. Uh, and you need, that, you need that consistent conveyor belt of, of bugs on the go uh, exactly. being triaged. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And what, what was the, I guess, your follow-up question, um, Ashish, in terms of career? Yeah, I think the other thing, because I was thinking of bug crowd, and I guess because you're you're an ambassador for bug crowd, a lot of people kind of jump into bug crowd thinking, oh, I'm going to be a full-time um, bug bounty person on bug crowd, and that'll be it. And But the reality of that, and I'd love for you to get into how bug crowd works as well, because that's probably one of the popular platforms, apart from some of the other, uh, I guess, uh, bug bounty platforms that are out there. Is it really a full-time job there? It's not really a full-time job, is it? In Bakrao? Uh, I'd say you need to be a little bit better prepared and better set up. Right. So, um, provided you have the setup, you can do it as a full-time job, but you need the setup. Without um, having tools in place, servers in place, um, or um, everything, then you're likely to fail. But there's also I mean, it's not impossible, but yeah. But there's also that writing so, and, as well, right, in bug crowd where you can, so everyone gets a chance first, but if you don't find bugs for a certain amount of time, you stop, you stop getting invites. I think that's what I've heard, and I'm, I'm not on that. Yes, side, you, you stop getting invites. So actually, to get the invites in the first place, you need to find at least one P2 in a paid program or something like that. Okay. Uh, I think actually you can get in on paid programs too, but you need to find at least one P2, which is a high severity vulnerability. Um, so after that, they start giving you private invites, but at the start, they won't give you the best private invites. They'll give you ones that have been on for a bit and things like that. Um, so they actually have a full um, like a group of people actually working the statistics of how to do things, who to give invites to, um, what invites to give, who's better suited for everything, and things like that. So um, they have multiple algorithms going out and doing all of that. 
Um, at least in Bugcrowd, because I'm aware of how they work a little bit more than HackerOne and um, other places. But yeah, so um, a lot of these um, pro, uh, companies also run on different models. So um, obviously, as with every business, you have different models. Like I think HackerOne is on a pay-per-bug basis. So um, if a researcher finds a bug, then HackerOne gets uh, an amount of money from the uh, from the company. Um, whereas if it is someone who, uh, if, if it's BugCrowd, then they actually get, um, sorry, if it's uh, BugCrowd, then it might be something more like um, a paper program. So paper target, so if it's like paypal.com, you pay a certain amount. If it's something about paypal.com, you pay some, a certain amount and things like that. You're very popular over there. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's <laughs> all right. And so you've obviously got the different platforms. And I, I, what I see, I guess, maybe on a slightly different subject on bug bounties is like everything in life, there's pros and cons. There's definitely different opinions um, of, I guess, benefits and negatives. Um, and trying to offer a balanced point of view as someone who's maybe seen different angles on this. Um, you know, again, f for people that don't, obviously aren't too aware of how lucrative things can be and then looking at the other side, there's obviously the Hall of Fame from a sort of notoriety point of view. What are some of the nice to hear success stories that you, you know, you've heard about or can talk about? Um, so, uh, I have a friend who uh, I met when I went to San Francisco this year uh, for the Bug Bash, and this guy is um, basically he's this crazy automation expert who finds small bugs but scales immensely. And um, what he did basically he um, had some issues with the law um, back at home. And he's from Canada, and um, basically, as time went, he grew out further and further. And basically, what he's done is come up with his own automation system. And he's been doing bug bounties for about four years now, and every year he doubles his income. Wow. Um, so it's things like that where this guy has clearly, not only has he made a living out of it, he's made a very profitable and lucrative living out of it because he's smart and understands how to do it. Um, so there's no reason, and it's a very, very big space. No one can cover everything. Um, so there are a bunch of players like that who have gone through and done um, amazing things with this kind of um, opportunity. It's just you have to be smart enough to understand how to do it. Yeah, makes sense. And what's, what's the sort of biggest successes you've heard? Um, you know, are those... It could be financial. It could be other things. I know, um, like United Airlines, do the air miles. Um, you know, what, I guess what's things that you've heard about that have made you excited? Um, so, frankly, seeing um, I don't know if you guys know, him, but Shubs, Shubham yeah. Sharp. So he's uh, made Asset Note, which is a tool to um, you know watch out for. It's pretty amazing. Um, pretty much that entire thing, as far as I've heard, um, has been made, uh, well, it was initially made for bounties and now it's been kind of commercialized to a certain extent. But that entire tool um, was at a time funded by bounties. So um, this guy who's literally 
cutting edge of the industry has gone ahead and done everything purely through bounties. So if that's not a success story and that's not motivation enough, then trust me, nothing else is. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I guess flipping that to the other side, from a, I guess awareness point of view or negative side or, or concerns, like what, what should people be aware of? Because I know obviously it's not going to be a full-time gig for everybody. Um, but yeah, I guess what, what should people be aware of on that side of things? Um, well, we live in a world of compliance and standards. Um, where everything is based around that, every business needs them and things like that. So if you've got a payment gateway or some kind of credit card thing on your website, you likely need PCI, so the payment card industry standards and things. Um, for those, at the moment, these standards are too backward for bug bounties. And frankly, um, to a certain extent, a big flaw in bug bounties is they don't actually uh, or a lot of them don't give you enough incentive to hunt for smaller bugs. Um, so if it's something like, uh, for instance, PCI problems can occur if you don't have, um, you know, TLS version 1.2. So if you have TLS version 1 on your website, then um, PCI will be an issue. However, in bug bounties, we won't care. I would never report that because that will get thrown out within seconds. Um, I would actually get negative rep from a majority of places. So from a business perspective, there's space for both. You need both of them. Um, and yeah, basically, um, bug bounty, some of the bug bounty pro, uh, companies have now actually brought up things like NGPTs, also known as next generation pen tests, where they are trying to currently um, pay hunters a certain amount of fixed money to go and basically do a pen test um, but obviously for a lot cheaper and pay per finding, provided the findings are interesting and things like that. Yeah, so those do, that, that's an attempt to cover um, the area of um, pen testing, I guess. But another big thing is, yes, you're getting 30 people to go and attack it, paying them a decent amount of money, but um, you still don't have a single person to go and answer to. So if I'm a company, I'm, say, I don't know, PayPal, because I've been using them so much. Um, if I'm PayPal and I have to go back to someone saying it's your fault, there was negligence here, can I go to 30 hunters and say you're all negligent? Or do I go to one company and say it's your fault? I'd rather go to one company, say it's your fault, and have the extra level of assurance to show that I have done my due diligence to go and attempt to do security. Uh, at least that's my opinion. I might be wrong there. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's an interesting point as well, because I would imagine every enterprise, uh, exactly as you said, compliance and standards is what drives uh, most of your security activity in any company. Like, especially if you're a financial organization or any enterprise, there's always GDPR or something else that always bounds them to do certain things a certain way. How, now, obviously, that comes with restriction, but how open are they to a bug bounty program? Because I mean, are there, who are the common examples or local examples that you know of that use bug bounty program? Um, and is it that open out there that people, every company is out there trying to go for bug bounty programs? I can see uh, Sajib's face there. <laughs> uh, there are a few companies that have adopted it. Yeah. Uh, majority of them I can't speak about because of NDAs. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so there are some Australian companies who have gone ahead and adopted it and things like that. Um, some, some are very, very large companies. Some are very small companies, actually. 
So you have a good, um, you know, mix between them. But um, yeah, I think it's more down the lines of people adopting it. It's more people who want to actually do their due diligence and actually attempt to make sure that everything's secure and don't want to have some kind of weird incident. Right. And I guess probably one thing which is probably public already is seek.com.com. Yep. It's already, um, I guess, openly talking about their bug bounty programs. And they have a few yep. Jillian Burton does a lot of talking about that same space as well. How they've matured over the past couple of years. Um, so I guess if, if it's not that well recognized, and there's all obviously NDA, the next generation pen testers that you just mentioned caught my like I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very interesting profession right there. Is that is that a stream within bug sorry bug hunting, or is that more? I guess the thing of it's all if which you're seeing in enterprise. Uh, so that is um, of only reputed um, bug bounty hunters get an invite to that. Okay. So you need to already be a decent bug bounty hunter to get the first invite. Um, those are kind of like handpicked. They would pick a few people and get them to do the engagement and things like that. Oh, right. You don't have to let us know if you have the invite. I'm, not, I'm sure there's an NDA there. Um, Ashish, can you turn yourself up? Sorry. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, the microphone's a bit quiet. Uh, what about now? Better. Better. Oh, okay. I need to keep yelling into this now. Um, so I, I guess the other question I was going to ask was in terms of um, we, we spoke about the exciting part, part of being a bug bounty hunter and um, what's the, what, what kind of role or what kind of person should someone be to get into such, such, a, such a role, like so, such a, I, I guess, a profession? I, I do want to call it a profession because I keep saying, is it really a profession when it's going to be full-time? It is a profession, right? I mean, it's not really... It definitely is. I mean, what's the definition of a profession? It's anything that you can do with a certain amount of ethics while earning some certain amount of income. So it definitely is a profession of some sort. Yeah, perfect. So I guess what would you say should like, who, what kind of people should be looking out for such roles? Like if I'm someone who doesn't enjoy reading manuals, should I be even thinking about bug bounty programs? <laughs> um, this is my personal. Um, I just don't enjoy reading manuals. That just me. Yeah, so to be honest, I think it should be someone who has a certain amount of intrigue. So um, there's a bounty hunter named Stoke who has his own YouTube channel. Uh, the guy actually um, started off bounty hunting quite late in the game. So like he, he's a very, very nice guy, extremely smart, and a very good bounty hunter too. He's actually won a few of the events. Um, but he started off by being a videographer, going and um, doing a video of DEF CON. He found it so intriguing that he thought, okay, I'm going to take a crack at this. Wow. And he's learning. And learning, learning, learning. Within the span of two years, he's getting invited to some of the biggest events around. And um, then he's actually winning some of them too. That's so awesome. it's, it's pretty amazing how a person can go from, you know, um, you know, not really actually knowing much to um, all that way. So the thing that I would say is someone who has passion and someone who understands security and risk. 
So you need in bug bounties. So if it's some kind of a um, internal security thing or consulting, a lot of the time you can get away with saying, okay, I think this is the risk, but I can't really go ahead with it. In bug bounties, you don't have that choice anymore. It's can you prove what the risk is? If you can, we'll pay you. Otherwise, you get the lower payout. Um, a lot of what my um, some of the people I know. Um, a lot of what we do is we take a small bug, we find ways to chain it with other things and make it a big bug. So we'll take a P3, which will get us $600, and we'll chain it with another two or three things and make it a $2,500 bug. Um, spending a few, admittedly, it'll take us a few hours, but we've increased the payout significantly, which makes it more profitable for us. So that is more intrigue, passion coming out saying, okay, we can make money out of this, but this is also really, really cool. Let's put this together and see how it all clicks together. And that's about it. So if you don't have that passion and intrigue, um, bug bounties is not the place for you because you're driving yourself. If you don't find anything for a month or two, um, you're the only person who can go and find more because no one's going to come and pay you for it. So you have to have that drive, that push. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's not going to work. I guess there's... Um Obviously, as well as CTFs, it's a good place for people to learn and get a get an idea of what the real world looks like as well. Yep. And I guess on a personal note, Sajib, how, how did you get into this? So obviously, you, you're doing pretty well, I think, professionally and also, again, you're not pen tester 100%, sorry, uh, bug bounty hunter 100% because obviously you've got your, your day job as well, but obviously you're doing both doing well on both sides. Um, but how did you get into, I guess, bug bounties to start with? Um, frankly, it was more playing around with um, random systems. The first bug that I got um, was a $100 bounty. Uh, so I was very, very happy with that. Um, despite me, no one else really was. So I got 100 bucks, great. <laughs> um, and yeah, so... Basically, what I ended up doing was going through and playing around with a bunch of systems. And initially, my aim was to be a lot more monetarial, so attempting to get money out of it. Hmm. Um, but after a bit, I realized I can stop thinking about the money and start actually learning. And as soon as I did that, I saw a change. Um, I found, okay, instead of actually going through and trying to find specific bugs, trying to hack everything and figure out exactly how to make more money, I'll start programming different things, learning how things work together, and kind of keep um, acquiring more knowledge from other people. And I think that's what made the major change for myself. Um, talking to a few other hunters and things actually really made some big changes for me. And like, for instance, I was talking to Shubs, I think three or four years ago, and one of the major things that I took out of that talk with him was he gave me one single quote, and that's pretty much what I live by in bounties now. He basically said that recon is key. Three words, very simple. But if you don't know how to, if you don't know about a target, if you don't know about a website, a server, how on earth are you going to hack it? You can't. So the idea is if you have a very strong recon game, then you're likely to succeed. You've already done a lot of the work. After that, it's how you use that work to go further. So I've kind of tried prioritizing a lot of um, my, you know, process on recon. And yeah, it's worked out for me so far. And hopefully will in the future. Yeah, pretty interesting story as well, man. I think uh, probably passion was 
always there from the beginning, which is why you kind of went through the whole path as well, right? Based on what you said earlier, you already have the passion and the drive. You can go further. If you go, if you, so I guess my um, charge, I keep saying, going away from the mic. Um, what I was trying to say was, um, I think it, it does show that the, you still have the passion and that's what drove you to kind of reach that bug, hunty, uh, bug bounty hunter um, stream as well. Out of curiosity, because Ricky and I, when we spoke to a couple of other people before um, in the last few episodes with Adrian and Tanya, um, the general feel about security community is that it's very supportive and very helpful. And I kind of feel that because bug bounty is a very competitive field as well, right? Because you're out there to make money. There is passion for sure, but people are out there to make money as well. If I can make $2,500 versus $1,000 and I'm in a developing country, clearly there's a bit of competition where it might not foster a supportive environment in my mind. Is that how you see the community or is it different? I feel it's quite different. So um, there, I mean, I'm sure there are parts of um, the community which is like that. I mean, that's human nature. Uh, greed is a thing and that's nothing we can change. However, um, the community that I found, or at least the way I found the community to me, has always been very, very um, sharing kind of centric. We'll always try to share with each other. Um, we'll try to learn things off each other. Some people do poke a little bit too much. Um, but if you tell them that, hey, I'm not really willing to give this up right now because I'm still trying to discover more about it, they'll back off a majority of the time. So, I mean, it's okay to keep your own secrets. Um, everyone does. But the way I see it, it's more um, share what you can because that's how we built the community. And literally everything that's happened till now um, is because we've been sharing. Otherwise, you know, the internet wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, people learning from each other. Precisely. I guess on, on that note, um, what are some of your favorite uh, bug bounties or some of your favorite techniques that you've seen out there that are, well, that stand out or that are pretty cool for you? Sorry. Um, I think, so there was a blog post very, very recently from AlbinoX called HTTP Smuggling. And um, so far, I've found it in two places, but it's a really, really cool concept. And um, this guy basically wrote tools for everyone to exploit it and um, show how it works and made an amazingly detailed blog post for it, which takes a bit of time to get your head around. But once you get around, it's actually really, really cool. And um, yeah, so that's probably one of the new things that I've found that sharing-centric um, has actually helped the community and is pretty cool new thing. Um, as for favorite programs, uh, since I'm very recon focused, I'd say um, anything that's a very large scope. So things like PayPal, Spotify, um, I think now it's called Verizon Media, places like that um, have very, very large scopes. Um, so you can go and have fun there. Atlassian is also really good. Um, Seek is pretty fun. So yeah, basically anywhere where um, you take out the idea of people not knowing what's going on, and um, you know, since not everyone does recon very well, that's where we can get our edge. Awesome. Also, just a shameless plug. Um, in case anyone is interested in learning more about recon, I did a video for 
Bugcrowd University on oh. Econ and Discovery. So you can check that out on YouTube. And as, as a summary, so what what's some, some key takeaways from that? Uh, a majority of the tools that you need to do Recon are completely open source. Actually, um, everything that I use, despite, no, literally everything that I use is open source. I just put it together smartly so that I can find things and that's it. Otherwise, um, everything is open source. It's all out there. Most of us use the same tools, so there's no reason for anyone to have an unfair advantage. Uh, some people obviously do um, it for a full-time basis, so they do have some tricks up their sleeves, uh, which is the same case for consulting firms against each other. But in the end, yeah. Oh, that was some good advice then. Yeah, I was going to say that um, while we're, uh, I'll be talking about Bug Crowd, worthwhile talking about what your role in Bug Crowd is as well. Uh, could you talk about... Um, the ambassadorship that you have at Buckcrowd? Yeah. Um, what that means? Yeah, so basically that means that I um, kind of go and promote Buckcrowd in certain things. So I'll um, tell Buckcrowd about different events that are going on in Melbourne, and they'll try to see if there's a space for them to come and kind of do a plug for themselves. So marketing. Um, also, this gives me the power to tell people that, you know, this is actually a good place to start. Um, if I find someone's actually talented, then I can refer them to certain people in Bug Crowd and they'll start getting private invitations quicker and they won't need that first P2. It'll, you know, speed up the process and things like that. So, <coughs> sorry, it does come with its perks, but the way I see it, it's more you have a person to come and talk to if you have any problems with Bug Crowd, or if you want to know more about bug bounties in general. Um, you know, there's me and I think there's a guy named Trover. Um, the both of us are in Melbourne, so if you ever need anything bug bounty related, come talk to us. We're usually pretty friendly. Usually. <laughs> Ashish, you've got to turn yourself up <laughs> or get close to the mic. I, is, is this better though, if I just talk That's to you? <laughs> my, my nose is more visible in the, in the video than me. Uh, but that's <laughs> At least we can hear you now. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, well, talking about fun topics, um, I was going to switch, switch gears a bit and ask you a few fun questions. Um, but quickly checking with Ricky, can I go into the fun, fun, fun quiz section? Um, one last question, twofold. Um, I Again, all opinion-based, but from your point of view, what are the most exciting and non-exciting things um, you know, when working on bug bounties? So the most exciting things is um, finding something new, something that no one else has either discovered or no one's thought about. It's just intriguing or um, learning something that the majority of other people don't know about yet, but since you read the article or you talk to someone who's really, really smart, you've gone and learned something new. So the aspect of there being so many possibilities and things like that really, really intrigues me, which keeps me up and um, keeps me going. Uh, some of the negative sides of it, though, uh, is I definitely say sometimes it takes a bit of um, fighting with triage and people to go and say, hey, can we, um, this is what the bug does, this is explaining it, and blah, blah, blah. So that can be a bit tedious, and you do have some kind of 
um, you know, down periods when you don't find anything, so it gets a bit depressing then. But despite that, as long as you keep a positive attitude, you're usually okay. Okay, cool. Far away, Shish. No, I was going to say heaps of, med- heaps of meditation and yoga, I guess. I don't do either of them. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine you've actually got much spare time to do that. <laughs> uh, tomorrow you can stay over there at McDonald's, so I don't really think my body, body's a temple. So, you know. oh, so, so, so McDonald's is your meditation and yoga equivalent? You know it. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to move to the uh, fun, fun part of the... Well, the whole thing was a fun part, but um, we've got a fun section that we do towards kind of like the later half of our podcast. A um, couple of questions we go through, and I guess um, Ricky and I can go through one by one. The first question was, uh, what is the side project that you're currently working on? Well, I guess a project that you can talk about, considering you have a lot of NDAs that you assigned. Um, so I'm working on a project which I probably should have released already, but uh, I'm just kind of building up the nerve to do that. Um, it's called Dr. Watson. Uh, so Dr. Watson, uh, so if you're familiar with Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson is Sherlock Holmes' sidekick who helps him find different things, does a lot of the menial work, but is also extremely smart. So the tool that I made is kind of like your sidekick. It's your burp extension to go and find things within requests that otherwise you would have missed. So things like AWS keys and et cetera, et cetera. If say I've missed it, it might go and find it inside a request, which I didn't see, or an S3 bucket linked to the website um, that I'm currently testing that I missed. It'll come and tell me, hey, this is an S3 bucket, look at it, and then I'll test that S3 bucket too as a part of my process. So um, that's probably one of my uh, fun projects that I'm currently working on. I've learned a lot from it, and I've already found, I think, two bounties with it. So, yeah. Hopefully, it'll take off one day. No, no pressure, but when are you planning to release? Uh, probably within a couple of weeks. Uh, another really fun project that I'm working on is Interlace uh, with Codingo. Um, basically, so the two of us co-authored it, and it's an automation tool, which uh, at the moment we're pitching to security mainly, but it's um, an open source tool which automates basically everything. You can give it a file of commands and you can structure the command saying, okay, this command needs to wait for this one and blah, blah, blah. And these need to be threaded simultaneously. So say you have um, five different sleep commands, you'll run all five of them at the same time. But then after each of them, they have to do something else. So um, this tool will handle all of the threading for you, all of the processing, and yeah, a variable replacement. It's basically what I like to think of parallels on steroids, but yeah. How, how much time is that going to save you? Uh, it already saves us a lot. We use it a lot in our um, bounty kind of tools and everything. So oh, it's saving us a lot of time. Uh, and by that, it hundreds of hours. So. Thank you. Cool. On to me, is it a shish? Yeah, next one for you, man. All right. So <laughs> besides, uh, oh, actually Maccas, but what was the last thing you bought online um, under 200 bucks? Um, tickets to Tuscon. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I think it's going to be a really cool conference. I've never been and I think it'll be really, really cool. So yeah, 
Yeah, um, awesome. A lot of buying random security conferences, trying to support them, anything and everything we can. So. Sounds like good investment. Yeah. Well, I, I guess every, and I guess it's a good, good point to kind of plug in other conferences as well, which I think all of us are part of as well. We kind of done uh, BSAT Melbourne, OWASP AppSec Day, quite a few for anyone who's on, I guess, who's listening to this and is wondering what else is out there for um, from a conference perspective. If you're Australia-based, there are a few over here that you can use. Uh, the, I guess the final question is more about any book that you have recently gifted to anyone. Uh, I actually recently gifted the Web App Hackers Handbook to about three people. Um, it's probably one of the best books uh, out there for web app hacking. And I believe, <coughs> sorry, uh, chapter 20 is great because it actually gives you a checklist for methodology. So it'll nice. tell you how to do, you know, step by step how to do each thing, what to look out for. Um, it's pretty helpful. So. Cool. Very generous of you. All right, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna kicked out of the room as well soon. So, good time. Good time. Yeah, uh, good time to close the conversation as well. But um, if people want to reach out to you, Sajib, where can they find you on socials, and where do you hang out? Uh, so pretty much, I am on Twitter as sml triple five underscore. I'm on LinkedIn as Sajib Luhani. And um, you can literally find me every single um, all sec event and every single sec talks event. I'm almost always there as long as I'm within the state or country. Ooh, cool. so, Incl yeah. Including tonight when we're all uh, co-organizing yes. a meetup. Oh yes, yeah. we are the DevSecOps meetup and the all sec meetup. So if anyone's attending, although this would be in Boston, <laughs> we'll see you guys. <laughs> so Jabe, thanks for your time. Yeah, no thanks for um, we'll, we'll obviously love for people to connect to you and find out more about bug, bug bounty hunting and uh, get on behind the ambassadorship that you support as well. So thanks, thanks Ajeev. Thanks, Ricky. Well, thank you Brilliant. for having me. Thanks, guys. Right, take care. See ya. Bye. Bye.